Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 26, The Adversary, teleplay by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, and directed by Alexander Singer. This episode aired on June 25th, 1995. This week on Deep Space Nine, a Federation ambassador brings newly promoted Captain Sisko orders to take the Defiant on a patrol of the Zenkathy border, where a destabilizing coup has just taken place. But everything is not as it seems. We have a different way of starting this podcast than our typical question that I ask you at the start of every episode. How are we starting this podcast, Elise? It's funny that you ask because we have our first listener email that is not from one of our friends. Yay! <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Would Would you like to read it? I would love to read it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's titled Pod Rates. Hi, just saying hi. Your last episode, Elise said that you don't have many followers or the only followers are your friends. I am a 53-year-old female Star Trek fan living in Minnesota and have been listening to and have been listening since about June 2021 as I worked my way through Deep Space 9 for the first time with my hubby. I love your podcast and love all the deep and irreverent thoughts. Thank you. I'm usually thirsting for Jadzia or Kira. Thank you for your podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much, Kristen. This really made my week when we received this. Can confirm. I not only got the email forwarded to me excitedly, but I was also texted about it, and I believe it was mentioned in our Discord, too. (laughs) It is really nice to know that there are other people listening. Um, Tell your friends. Is there life out there? So much she hasn't done. Is there life beyond her family and her podcast home? She's done what she should. Should she do what she dare? She doesn't want to leave. She's just wondering if anyone's listening out there. Thank you for all my Reba McIntyre stands who are now mad at me for adjusting those lyrics on the fly. <laughs> also, fun fact, in the music video to Is There Life Out There, Huey Lewis plays Reba's husband because they're friends. <laughs> All right, enough about 90s era Reba McIntyre. Now it's all about season three, episode 26 of Deep Space Nine. Elise, we're done season three. Crazy. Do not believe it. Well, and it's it's funny, right? Because, you know, you, you think about like modern seasons only being like, you know, 10-ish episodes, give or take. It's like, okay, yeah, season three doesn't take that long to get there. It's like... <laughs> No, this is like 90s TV. This is episode 26 of season three. So yes. it's like if this was like a modern show like Game of Thrones, we'd, we'd be like halfway through the series by now. I think we would be like really done, done with the series, actually. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because the last episode where, you know, we, we do record a little behind the scenes. We do record a little ahead. So we're recording the season finale of... Um, season three and but the last episode that that dropped was shakar and when i went to look at podcast pod when i went to go look at pocket casts today i noticed that shakar was our 69th episode nice <laughs> yeah i was very excited about that so yeah we're, we're coming up on 70 episodes it's crazy 
What if I just numbered every other episode 69 from now on? <laughs> 69, like, plus one, 69 plus two. 69A, 69B. <laughs> so, like, we'll do it, well, like, we... dash A, dash B, like, like Enterprises. <laughs> You'll end up getting to, like, AA, like, AB. We'll start just, like, putting blood types on the end. <laughs> um, That would be very silly, yeah, but I don't think you should do that. All right. So, Elise, did you or did you not remember season three, episode twenty-six, the uh, the adversary and or the adversary, depending on who you talk to? Um, I did not remember this episode really. Uh, like vaguely, I don't know. I don't think what it rang too many remember? bells. What did you remember? What I, did you remember? I don't know. It's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just said it like that like to be a baby I didn't remember it but I found the episode to be a lot of fun um I really enjoy the like we don't know who the mole is um bit and it was really funny when I was watching with AJ as everyone now knows I watch with I usually watch the episodes with my friend AJ Um, hi AJ He mentioned that it reminded him, like, of a game of Among Us, which I've never played, <laughs> but I know the concept, so that definitely made sense to me. Yeah? No, it, it very much is, like, the whole, like, idea of, you know, deception and trying to figure out who the the saboteur or the deceiver is. I mean, Mafia would be another example. Oh, or, right, for sure. You know, some, uh, my all my other board game freaks out there might be familiar with um, Resistance, which is kind of a very similar sort of like table talk, find out the the spy sort of game. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get more into this kind of a bit later as our, our discussion on the episode goes ahead. But at times this episode is very reminiscent of the movie to me, like The Thing, or even the X-Files episode that also feels like The Thing. Um, it's the one in, I think it's, I can't, I can't remember if it's the North Pole or like Antarctica, um, where they drill down and there's those weird like, spores in the ice cores from like a long time ago that you know make people do weird shit and paranoid and same sort of thing so mm-hmm. we love a like claustrophobic we can't trust anyone sort mm-hmm. of tale is this where i admit that i've never seen the thing but now i'm you have me curious about it when i've never been curious about it previous uh, i was well interesting because i was just about to say like i'm sure you've like um been aware of it through like cultural osmosis but maybe not probably yeah like i didn't know like even what the premise of it i don't know what the premise is oh well then i will not ruin it for you thank you um while i was doing some reading on this episode i saw um that iris stephen bear had said that this episode specifically was i'm paraphrasing here was moved the show closer towards serialization um because this is i mean you can tell by the way the episode ends it really leaves things open in a suspenseful way that you're like okay then they have to address what what happened here at least that's how i feel about the episode yeah and i mean we'll like probably likely we will We'll we'll dive more into this and kind of the the air quotes dreaded S word as as Ira calls it, um, <laughs> serialization more as the show goes forward and as much as like they weren't supposed to be serialized, um, 
a lot of it does come across that way and it does get more serialized and even like season six starts with like a six episode like direct serialization arc and then the show the show ends with like a 10 out like it's not a 10 hour finale like is it two-hour like tv movie finale but all the episodes leading up to to that run is like a is like a 10 like it's like a whole would be a whole season of television now right like it's your 10 episodes that are like serialized and like everything else um which which the reasons that the studios and stuff didn't want to want them to be more and more serialized is because like next generation before it Deep Space Nine was a first-run syndicated television show, right? So it wasn't airing on any particular network. It was syndicate. It was a first-run syndication show. So various like local channels bought the show and then could you know air it whenever, right? Normally you'd see syndication in like reruns. That's how they is it. But this is a first-run, so a new show in syndication. So like they didn't want serialization because it made the show harder to sell because you didn't know when it was going to air on different times and things like that. Um, but they slowly started flirting with it anyways. And then that being, even though Voyager ended up being that more kind of non-serialized-ish TNG sort of format, it helped launch um, the UPN network at that time. So it wasn't a first-run serialized show. It it helped launch UPN, which is funny and it's kind of full, coming full circle because before Star Trek The Motion Picture was a thing when they were talking about you know, it being a TV show earlier in development of Star Trek Phase 2, the original intent of doing that show was to launch a, a Paramount television network that didn't end up getting launched in the in the late 70s. So everything's old as new as again. Comes full circle. Time is a flat circle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we got some big news this episode. Yeah, we're, we're losing Commander Sisko. It was like that would have been such a shock and that, that kind of opening that opening log to, to start the episode and the teaser before the credits. It's like, I really, I really enjoyed the fake out, um, a lot. <laughs> of course, referring to Cisco stating that it's his final commander's log and he's saying it with so somberly, like as if he's leaving Deep space nine. But what really is happening is, He's being promoted to captain, and Lizzo's uh, song "About Damn Time" plays in the background. <laughs> I don't think that when I first watched this show, I n- noted like I paid any attention to this, like his ranking at any time, until someone told me it was like a big deal. Really? Yeah, I just like didn't care about that kind of thing i mean i i know when people are ensign or cadets like they're you know pretty low on in the organizational chart but like other than that i just never really i just okay that person's in charge of that person i never really thought about like anyone's ranks i do now but like not when i first watched this this kind of feels like the first time you were watching Deep Space Nine and everyone was like excited when you started season three and the introduction oh, yes. of the Defiance and you're yep. like, wait, what? what's the Defiant? Yeah, like I like totally missed that like a new ship was like introduced and it was a big deal. Like, And then when we rewatched, and I remember when that happened, and then when we rewatched it for the podcast, like it's, it's like so obvious. Sometimes I do think that... You know, the first time I was watching it, you know, I'm not watching it to record a podcast on it. So I probably tuned things in and out if I was like doing more than one thing at a time, which I'm known to do. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. 
Fair enough. So this might not be a thing, but I kept thinking about the title of this episode being The Adversary and how <clears throat> Captain Cisco is the emissary and just how the words are similar sounding they have the same number of syllables and it just because an emissary is a representative and an adversary is an opponent like those words just feel very related to me um I don't know I might be overthinking this but it just seemed like an interesting thought yeah I I don't think you're necessarily overthinking it like I didn't I didn't catch this I didn't I didn't look at it but I, I really do like like this I the idea and like kind of then further thinking about the title um the titular adversary again you want to think that it's the the changeling infiltrator but ultimately it could be our own distrust of each other and how quickly we can can lose ourselves in and to paranoia like there are definitely parts of this episode that like definitely made again we talked about the thing um but it made me think also of like the whole like 70s subgenre of like the paranoid thriller um and kind of that that distrust and you know not so much the surveillance aspects but uh definitely that you know who who can we who can we trust and who's close to us and like even the use of you know Edding, eddington as like a bit of that kind of red herring too it's just yeah yeah, no, it's good. I think the title works on, on a couple different levels. Yeah. Um, when they were toasting Captain Cisco, I really giggled when O'Brien tells Cisco he's the best captain. Um, I agree with him. I don't think he's wrong, but it's funny to remember that O'Brien has served under two captains that we've seen on television. Well, a couple of things, Elise. My first question is, how dare, why do you hate women? kidding (laughs) (laughs) just had to throw that in there for the Janeway stands um I think like this isn't my candidate for the most Star Trek thing um but it could be there's always a crew member that says that that show's captain is the best they've ever served with and like is the best captain in the fleets and it's like O'Brien's throwing shade at John Luke here it's like yes because other times it's not like the person had had a previous captain before so like it feels very just a nice thing, but this one, it does feel a little shady. <clears throat> so the the other the other part of this episode is about a saboteur, as we've discussed, but the it I do like that they kind of it's not really an A plot B plot thing. Like the I think the fact that Cisco is getting um his promotion is just, I don't mean, okay, scrap the word just, is something very important, but also springs the rest of the plot because we have Ambas- Ambassador Krajensky there. Um, he's to tell, he's there to like somewhat to celebrate this promotion, but he's also there to tell him, to tell Cisco, excuse me, I have to sneeze. <clears throat> he's also there to tell Cisco that a coup has taken place on the uh Zenkethi Zenkethi thank you i i was saying it over and over earlier because i was like trying to say it correctly and then you know a lot's happened since then so i i like lost it um that a coup has taken place on the Zenkethi homeworld so he is the one that tells Cisco to take the defiant into that sector 
and remind them that the Federation is nearby and the ambassador wants to come along too. Um, and it's interesting because everyone just is like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm like, I mean, I'm not unique in this too. And I mean, I could have probably looked this up more, but like I didn't, um, I guess another kind of for Star Trek, most Star Trek thing would be like introduction of a new species we only know by name that apparently had a war with Starfleet that we've never heard of. Um, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> that's that true. Is what and it like is. everybody, yeah, like uh, uh, Cisco is like says in at one part of the episode, like all my feelings about this from the last war are bad, and um, we're just like so you know supposed to take everyone at their word because we didn't see any of it. Yeah, and, like, I mean, TNG kind of did this as well, because, like, the Cardassians weren't introduced to later, and we find out that, you know, there'd been, like, this Cardassian, like, ongoing border wars through, like, the first, you know, before TNG started, and, like, obviously, like, on and off, like, during the first couple seasons up until the Cardassians were introduced, but, like, what I find the most interesting about that is, like, I'm not, like, annoyed about it, whatever, it's part of world building, Yeah, but it really kind of peels back the curtains on, like, what wasn't what was yes happening off screen in the in the world in the universe but like i'm sure some people are annoyed or, or could be annoyed because it like seems antithetical to like how well how conflict three and free and evolved and or how dull <laughs> the first couple seasons of tng were and kind of roddenberry's like perspective on that it's like i'm sure he wouldn't like the idea that starfleet was at war during that time but fuck it it's better it's better (laughs) for drama honey yes oh that's so funny i i always think about i didn't think about it from that perspective that like they're adding they're adding like history to like roddenberry's time (laughs) you know yeah that's funny well and i've always kind of wondered and i don't think this is unique to me or probably a super original thought but like if the zen kathy were supposed to be the kazinti which um the kazinti are in star trek the animated series from the 70s do you remember like the cat mm-hmm. people in the pink spacesuits or purple space yes suits and or i remember yeah yes and i will say that when the for like the two minutes that i did a star trek rpg one of my specialties was on that species but i actually never researched it so i didn't find out <laughs> anything about that species yeah and like i think the reason it went to like the zen Kithi instead of the the kazinti like more specifically is that the the kazinti were a species that was developed independently of star trek and well before they appeared on star trek the animated series the science fiction author larry niven um they're his own creation that he had his own kind of you know book series and everything else for um and i think that was what um i think that was what the episode like was used or like adapted from right um yeah he was invited to like adapt his own story for star trek the animated series um so i think they couldn't use it because of like a whole excuse me a whole like rights thing because it wasn't like the kazinti weren't created for star trek they were adapted and then massaged into star trek and like didn't didn't belong to star trek right so that's interesting i wonder like because we don't even see this species now in this episode so i like wonder if we've ever like they just could have pulled like a word out of their ass like it doesn't even matter 
because yeah. we we never see them. I mean, we might. I think that this is the only episode that they're mentioned in, based on what I'm looking f- at. They might have been in some novels, but like and Star Trek Online, but like this is the only time that they're in an episode or mentioned. That's pretty interesting. So I feel like the main the main plot of this episode is very like listen all y'all, it's a saboteur. <laughs> I'm never I I I really hate myself because I cannot say the word sabotage or saboteur without singing the song, but also like it's so ingrained in Star Trek now that I like feel like it's relevant. I thought you were gonna say you couldn't didn't know how to, like the proper way to pronounce sabotage because of William Shatner saying it in the sabotage. <laughs> um, I probably learned the word sabotage because of the Beastie Boys, so I would say I, you know, I learned from a better sabotage. source. <laughs> well, that's okay because to bring it all full circle, I'm so sure lots of younger listeners or, or Trekkies would have learned about that song. From Star Trek. Oh, totally. I would agree with that. Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. You don't get any more of those per episode. For this episode. Uh, (laughs) Two is your limit. So we're on the Defiant and shit starts getting weird immediately. I actually was, because I didn't remember the episode, I wondered if this was going to be an O'Brien Suffers episode because... The first scene on the Defiant is him, like, thinking he's hearing sounds. And then, like, when he's, like, alone. And I guess we finally see engineering on the Defiant. So we have some more. We have a lot more sets in this episode on the Defiant. And I just thought it was going to be, like, O'Brien hearing shit the whole episode. (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't that. Yeah. And, like, you, you point out we see three new Defiant sets in this episode that become, like reusable standing sets um we see engineering for the first time as you say we see the defiant mess hall for the first time and um there's like a new kind of hallway set that's like a corridor set that's like extended or something like that so always nice to see more parts of the defiant right and it's kind of when you think about it, it's kind of weird we never saw engineering before <laughs> yeah but. i mean it's all this sh- the ship's only been on one season so i feel like you know i think as the show goes on they use the defiant more and more so dax and o'brien find some bad stuff that's happening in some sort of control panel i kind of like tune that out because you know blah 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 but i didn't tune out when start when o'brien turns this into a star war and says i have a bad feeling about this (laughs) did you catch that yeah i did (laughs) i was like jesus christ uh i thought that was very funny um and very silly and i wonder i'm like surprised that that like slipped its way in somehow i wonder if it was like lack of oversight or like i mean don't get me wrong like i'm so happy that they threw that in there because it's so dumb yeah so like the whole idea is this the sabotage um exist because like they lose all command can function command functions of the ship and they're en route to this like zen kathy colony to they think to 
investigate and or retaliate what they believe is a Zenkethi attack on a Federation colony, like, following the coup. And it turns out that there is a changeling saboteur aboard who is basically trying to start a war between the Federation and and the, the Zenkethi. You know, kind of similar to how they... They removed the threat of the Cardassians and the Romulans earlier this season with with the dies cast and mm-hmm. you know doing the 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 false flag on the um, uh, changeling homeworld. Yes, so, yes, yes. So we are rushing to the Defiant is rushing to oblivion, and we have to find we have to find both find a way to stop it and stop the saboteur. Um, this is not the first part of this episode that makes me think of my favorite Star Trek film, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, because when Cisco is like, someone on the ship is guilty of sabotage, I was thinking of um, Valeris singing, like, giving the definition for saboteur <laughs> in, um, in the Star Trek uh, movie, played by Kim Cattrall. We love it. They threw their wood shoes into the machines. Sabu, hence the word sabotage. Yes, it's great. Um, Odo kind of calls this early on when they realize that there's a sabotage. That there's a saboteur. He's like, maybe the coup isn't even real, you know. And we find out that that is exactly the truth. Um, the ambassador mm-hmm. never came to Deep Space Nine. Um. It's interesting because they um, they say this at the end of the episode, but I felt it here where because a changeling was able to impersonate an ambassador, like it's very clear to me that a changeling could be anyone. Um, mm-hmm. And that is something they hit it really hard at the end of the episode. But this is the part where I where I thought it to myself and I was like, this can open a whole world of stories shining shimmering splendid (laughs) now tell me sorry um whenever we have a situation where you don't know who to trust you have to invoke the buddy system it's just the the rules of television um and movies (laughs) and cisco knows this so he tells everyone you know get a buddy they put they like to put Odo and Eddington together, which I think is kind of weird because I know they do it because they have such different outlooks on security, but it's weird to me because they're like the two highest security officers. So like they should each be with a lower ranking person in my mind. Um, that just seems to make the most sense to me, but I know there would be less, the dialogue wouldn't be as good then. Um, and you know, Eddington offers him a weapon and Odo reiterates that he doesn't like to use weapons and he doesn't kill anyone. He's, he has not killed anyone so far. This, <laughs> so this whole thing is very weird to me because of the world that we live in right now, where not right now, always, where cops are seriously dangerous people um, it just reminds me of how idealistic Star Trek is, um, which I think, you know, it would be wonderful to live in a world where that, you know, nope, I'm not even going to say that because I don't think that there's any wonderful world with <laughs> cops. 
But, like, it would be really nice if they didn't have weapons. Like, that would be very, that's very idealistic because we know in our world that is not, or at least in the United States, that is not something that, like, I can't picture it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, right? Where it's like, I get what they're going for. And it's like, not to like rehash the conversations we've had about some of the complexities of Odo, I think like every five episodes or so since we started <laughs> season one. Um, yes. Like it's supposed to set him apart and, you know, he's like different and like has this like really strong sense of his own mor- moral code and the idea of like why he was, you know, respected by both the oppressed and the oppressors during his, during the occupation and things like that. But like, he still worked with the fascists, but he gets a pass. And but like, I just like for myself personally, I don't think it's like it's definitely I think a valid, you know, observation and point of criticism. But I kind of I choose not to see it because otherwise I drive myself crazy. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, I mean, I was just talking to you earlier about something on Star Trek Enterprise that is like completely shit politics but i don't care i'm watching it and enjoying it anyway so like i'm not saying that it's making me enjoy it less or anything it's just like that conversation made me eye roll a little bit that's all yeah fair my girl jadzia gets injured which means that o'brien has to do a lot more shit to like get you know things on track (laughs) <clears throat> this is the part where no one's trusting anyone, um, which I think makes for a really fun, fun, fun tension. I kind of didn't understand why Cisco was going to blow the ship up if they didn't do what they needed to do. Was it to because prevent war. was it to because the war. I? No, I get that, <laughs> but like, I kind of miss like this. Did the changeling person? make the defiant into a weapon or something was that what was happening because i kind of missed that whole like i know he like put stuff in shit but like i don't know what it meant because of the the sabotage they they didn't have control of like any of the command level functions so basically what the like changeling plan was is the defiant was going to go to the the zen kathy colony and like just blow it up right it was going to attack it and they couldn't got it they they didn't have controls to like yeah, so that was why okay. they were going to self-destruct as, like, you know. Yeah, okay. I felt like, for me, like, it didn't really matter. It was like, okay, something bad was happening. They had to stop it. Like, I I, I didn't need to know all the details. But now in talking about it, I'm not upset that I asked what the details were. Yeah, fair. So when, when you're talking about the, the tension and no one trusts anyone, like, we, I kind of... um mentioned this before in kind of our initial thoughts that the scene in the mess hall where all the senior officers are taking the blood samples from each other and to find out if one of them is of the the changeling it's really similar to one of the scenes in the 1938 short story who goes there by john w campbell which was published under a pseudonym don a stewart which is this novella is the basis for John Carpenter's film adaptation of the thing um, or the original film from 1951, Christian Nyby's the thing from another world, which is also an adaption of the same story, but without the whole like shape shifting element. 
Um, it's interesting though that you know the the thing from another world that the fifty one adaptation is more directly cited as an influence for this episode as opposed to the um eighty two John Carpenter film, which includes the whole like shape shifting thing. Um, but yeah, it's the whole idea of like paranoia is a good. Oh, it's not a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, sometimes it's a good thing. It keeps us alive. Um, but it's an interesting thing to explore among our, our characters. And ultimately, it's not something we see a lot in Star Trek. Again, because to invoke the Roddenberry box again, like our Starfleet officers are always supposed to get along and trust each other and, you know, give us these unrealistic expectations of what the adult working world is like and what, you know meanings will be like um, <laughs> and everything else so yeah it was just there's it was a fun thing to explore because we don't often see it now i'm like would i like the thing it's so one thing i found really amusing in the episode is that even though odo's constantly saying that he doesn't understand his species that well he's the one that's giving them the most answers about his species like it's almost like it's accidental or like he doesn't realize as much as he knows or he, sorry, he doesn't realize he knows as much as he does, I mean. For example, when they're trying to figure out, you know, who's the changeling, he says to Cisco, oh, it can't be you, you're bleeding. Because if it was coming, if, if a piece of Odo fell off of him, it would turn to goo again. So you had something interesting here, Elise, about Odo's status as, you know, a changeling himself, but like not a founder, like, you know, the ways in which he can inform um, the investigation for the changeling because he himself is one, even though he's not a founder. No, I, I, yeah, I just meant, like, he knows more about his species than he thinks he does, I feel like. I don't know. Can you tell me more about that? I I already said this. <laughs> I said the, the bleed, the, the blood thing. Oh, well, there we go. Um... Did you not hear me, or did you think I had more than to say? I thought you might have had more to say. That's I fine. didn't. It was just like a one quick example. Right. Yeah. So we, we talked about a little bit b- before when I talked about who was was paired up with who for the investigations. Um, but Eddington is back as played by Kenneth Marshall, and um, this is the character you know we first saw in the search, and then was also in the Dias cast. Um, and always like coming in him like late into the series as an outsider has this sense of being coded as like a possible threat, if not a literal threat, a threat to kind of the, the status quo, right? And they decided to use that kind of coding to make him the, the red herring in terms of who the, the infiltrator is and everything else. And after this episode aired... Um, the internet went wild that Eddington was in fact a, a changeling infiltrator. Um, oh, so like people to... thought he was still, even though he passed this episode. Yeah, yeah. So oh, they thought that that was going to uh, be a plot point on the the upcoming series, and then yeah, it's it's interesting in which you know when when even back then in the like 1995, in the 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 fledgling fandom internets how fan theories can influence um the writing room and more on that as 
as we go on. Um, but I really, I did really think Marshall was was really good this episode. It's probably been one of the episodes where we we've seen the most Eddington, and he's had kind of the most like the biggest part to work with. And I thought he told that line between is he or isn't Lee? Do I trust him? Don't I trust him? Um, really, really well. I, I yeah, enjoyed I, his performance. I really liked him too. Um, I, f- I have more to say, but it's like, it, it's related to future stuff. So I'm just going to not say it. One day more. So, <laughs> so the second, the second thing that happens in this episode that makes me think of Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country is the, like, very cliche, like, Odo versus Odo scene toward the end of the episode. Um, you, people may remember that Mart- Martia was a changeling in the in the Klingon uh, prison of uh, Rorapente. And... Can't believe I kissed you. Must be your <laughs> lifelong ambition. Which, I mean, I would believe that. Of <laughs> so this brought me great joy, um, and I. But I appreciated that this episode kind of was like, okay, you can't have like a lucky guess another time. I have no idea if they were thinking about that scene at all, but but like in my heart of hearts, I want that to have been true. But they probably thought, okay, you can't have, like, a lucky guess on killing the wrong one twice. So instead of that, Odo's just going to be... Sorry. So instead of that, O'Brien's just going to be like, ain't nobody got time for that. Ignores them. And then, like, goes on to continue his work. Which was the smartest idea because then the actual chain... The actual baddie, like, tries to stop him. So they know which guy is the baddie. Exactly. It was really interesting to have Odo fighting with the other changeling, um, especially after... And it's not just in this episode. Odo has said that changelings don't hurt each other, like, numerous times. Um, well, and that being first mentioned, again, going back to that, um, the die is cast kind of two-parter. That's why the yeah. changeling infiltrator pretending to be the Romulan... Yes, yes, yes. General lets um Odo and and Garrett go, right? Yes, exactly. So this kind of Odo's sticking up for himself and his friends, um, and for what he thinks is right. So it's interesting, like that one, the one that the the one changeling that was pretending to be the ambassador was willing to hurt Odo as well. I think. Um, so it really does feel like it was self-defense it was weird watching the the bad changeling i mean we don't know their actual name um trying to connect with odo like it felt like an invasion of space to me yeah Um, like oh sorry go ahead no no that that was it yeah i i don't think it wasn't that um like i don't think he was like trying to link with him or, or anything necessarily like i know like he was I... like offering that as an option, but like it read mm-hmm. to me more as like a physical struggle. And then because they're both changelings and not solids, and they can like you know, as they shove and disrupt each other because they're not solids, they um the struggle leads to them disrupting their ability to hold their shape and return to their 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 natural um gelatinous form. So I don't know if I really read it like as anything more than like a physical like in- assault or like you know encounter or like you know struggle right. but uh 
based on what we know of like how changelings link it like i could see it being read that way too yeah i think part of it for me was that i didn't realize that you could be touching like that and not be linked you know what i mean so now that i think about it after like i i think when odo says like i'm not gonna link with you or whatever they make it clear that odo is rejecting the link i think at that point it does seem more clear that it's just like a physical altercation i just had Mm -hmm. already written my notes down and so i wanted to point out that until that moment that is what i felt because i didn't have more information so Odo becomes the first changeling to kill someone of his species, I guess. And I guess that's the first person he ever killed? Uh, directly, I mean... Yeah, directly. He, he may have condemned other people to their, their deaths when, you know, he was working for the Cardassians, but, you know... He didn't swing the sword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's that's some, some pretty heavy shit when you're estranged from your entire species in exile and choose your friends over their yeah. brand of ethnofascism. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how that rumor is going to get back to, or not rumor, but like how what happened is going to get described to the rest of the founders. Yeah. There's only one way to find out. And you know what that way is, Elise? <laughs> so tune in. Yeah. Continue watching, continue listening, and we will follow up on that as appropriate. Yes. I do want to point out that um as I as we found out earlier, but they really hit it home now. I enjoyed that the changeling like whispered something into Odo's ear and I kept being like it always whenever someone whispers into someone's ear and you like I didn't remember what we were gonna find out what he said, but it makes me always think of um Lost in Translation. <clears throat> um but he said, you're too late. We are everywhere. Which I think is a really good season finale uh, last thought. It's very sus- suspenseful, as I said earlier. And it makes me want to know more. Yeah. And, like, I think it's, it's it's a very kind of effective, like, line to close the episode and and the season on. Um, especially considering that the original, I, the original idea and intent by the writers was to do kind of that more traditional TNG, like two-part cliffhanger episode and they were told they they couldn't do a cliffhanger so i think like you know kind of it leaves you with that sense of wanting to know what happens next without it you know being like a a whole like best of both worlds moment right um as we as i said earlier before we started recording i am probably going to start re-watching tng when i'm done with enterprise and everything that we've said since then has gotten me like more excited about it. I'm really looking forward to watching that a second time. I know this is a Deep Space Nine podcast and Deep Space Nine is my favorite, but I am still, I still love all Star Trek. All right. Well, Elise, we've been podcasting for a little bit. I've been sipping on my coffee as we podcast and I'm feeling a little... I don't know. While I'm feeling more awake, I'm also feeling a little thirsty, a little dehydrated. I don't know about you. Are you <laughs> thirsting for anyone this week? Yeah, I have a couple. I actually have a couple of thirsts. Um, the first being that, like Dax, 
being so excited about Cisco and Cassidy. Like, that is me whenever my friends start dating someone new. Like, I'm always, <laughs> like, very thirsty for, like, the details. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair um, enough. But probably my real one is that before he, I guess, was kidnapped and or murdered, um, the real ambassador was en route to Riza for vacation. Like, get it? <laughs> we all know Riza is for sluts. <laughs> Unless and that but that's for a future episode. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any? I didn't have any uh particular yeah. uh, thirst candidates for this episode. It wasn't so it wasn't good. the most thirsty episode. I I no. did grasp at some straws here. <laughs> I did as alluded to that I think there are definitely a couple different things that could qualify as the most Star Trek thing about the episode. Um, but ultimately I chose it was the whole drama of the self-destruct sequence, which um, is definitely something across several series and movies that, that they do as like a plot point. Although I think the only time it actually went through with the sequence was Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Mm, yeah. I'm just laughing at how many times I've seen that sh- freaking shit blow up. <laughs> they use that clip for everything. <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me well that's like my favorite re- part of star trek 4 right when they're all the whole federation council is watching star trek 3 with the yes. Klingon ambassador on the big screen yes <clears throat> <clears throat> i don't really have a separate most star trek thing so i'm just gonna piggyback yours there you go well Elise, was there anything else we forgot to mention that you wanted to um flag I don't think so. I just wanted to thank everyone for sticking with us. Um, You know, we're finishing season three, and that is really exciting. And I'm looking forward to continuing. Awesome. Well, Elise, until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, Storygraph, at chicken double underscore tendy. That's T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram together at at Podrace. And you can also email us at podrace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.